Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. What makes me think she's a witch? Well, she turned me into a newt. It's high noon for Monday, October 12th, 2020. And we are in the business now. The hearings have begun for Amy Coney Barrett. And so far, no Democrat has questioned her about her actual record. They are grandstanding in the hearings, giving long speeches about COVID. Cory Booker is scared that he might get it in that Senate room while not wearing a mask when he talks. I mean, masks don't work, but Yeah, so apparently the big issues of the hearing are going to be the coronavirus, which has nothing to do with her legal decision making, abortion, and Obamacare. So Democrats are spending their time giving soliloquies about the Affordable Care Act. What? And I want to uh, I want to address some pretty unbelievable just gaps in knowledge about what the Supreme Court is there for and what it is supposed to do. Um, I had some people commenting on posts this weekend saying things like. Maybe the Supreme Court should be increased in number to reflect our larger population. Okay, well, that makes no sense because that's not what they're there for. The Supreme Court is not there to represent a constituency or a point of view about issues. The Supreme Court is there to decide whether or not laws are constitutional. It's not like women go there 
and the Supreme Court decides whether or not they're allowed to have an abortion or that they might be guilty of something. That's not what the Supreme Court's for. The Supreme Court is for interpreting the Constitution and nothing else. It's so strange that people have had their brains completely broken by Ruth Bader Ginsburg's um, kind of uh, public myth, okay? Like, I'm not taking away from her wanting to be an advocate for her causes or maybe a champion for women or any of that. Not talking about that at all. But her judicial philosophy is a bad one. Okay? She's not there to do what you want her to on abortion. That is not the job. And sorry, her being replaced with someone who doesn't do what you want to do is too goddamn bad. It's not court packing to fill vacancies. It has never been the definition of court packing, ever, because it's not the definition. You can't just redefine it. Court packing is increasing the number of positions so that you can fill them all with your partisans and then essentially make them an additional legislature, which is what the Democrats have been trying to do. And that is why judicial philosophies like Ruth Bader Ginsburg's are bad for the system because the legislature should be doing its own job. If you want the quote unquote right to abortion and you want it so that that right can never be taken away, pass a constitutional amendment, convince the country that you are right Convince enough people in enough states and pass a constitutional amendment. That's how it works. The court does not exist to protect Roe versus Wade, which is a court decision. Overturning Roe versus Wade doesn't mean abortion is over tomorrow. It means it goes back to the states and that they can regulate it in different ways according to to what their own populations believe. And if people aren't okay with that, they can move to a different state. That's literally what's happening in California, but for other reasons not related to abortion. People are fleeing California and New York, for that matter, in droves. Why are they doing it? Terrible management. Terrible lifestyle restrictions, a terrible cultural environment, ridiculously high taxes. So if people don't like that, they can move. I might do that myself. But that's what happens when your state doesn't do what you want it to do. And this thing is really important to you. But, oh, of course, it's about it's about the poor people who can't move. That's right. That's right. That's right. It's always about 
the poor and the downtrodden or a racial group. It can never just be that the country really doesn't like the ideas. It's that the country is racist because can't they see that them voicing their moral position on a moral issue is actually racist or sexist. It's crazy. So the other thing that they have decided to say is that it is unconstitutional. Joe Biden has said it himself in his rare interview appearances. Now, it should be noted that the things Joe Biden says are just, you know, pulled from nothing. I, I don't know. Maybe somebody told him to say that it was unconstitutional. Maybe they thought that that was a good uh, strategy. His campaign has certainly not tried to explain away his statements. They have tried to make his statements true on television. Jake Tapper actually somehow contested this woman from the Biden campaign on television yesterday, repeating to her that what the Republicans are doing right now by confirming Amy Coney Barrett is not in any way unconstitutional. Okay. You may think it's wrong or bad, or you might not like it, but it's not unconstitutional. There's absolutely nothing in the constitution that says they can't do it. So to use that argument is pretty pathetic, but it's also pretty disrespectful to their own voters. They're actually convincing people who watch the news, people who are addicted to the central narrative where everything is funneled to them from the mainstream. They're supplying these people with terribly stupid arguments that they are going to go and repeat to other terribly stupid people. That is how little respect they have for their own voters that they will clearly just lie to them and almost guarantee that they will walk out into the world and look like utter morons to other people. And they do this on every issue. People believe women get paid 80 cents on the dollar for the same work that men do. That's false. When people go around saying that in public, they sound like idiots. All of these narratives are just so preposterous. They literally lie about the words Donald Trump says and about the words that they say. Kamala Harris brought up the Russian bounty story last week in the debate. That story has been thoroughly debunked and was never supported. People believe that because it was useful. And as a further sign of disrespect to all voters, Joe Biden said this weekend that the American people did not deserve to know the answer, to know his answer on whether or not President Kamala Harris planned on packing the courts. Because Joe Biden is not going to be president for very long, if at all. 
he said they don't deserve to know. A reporter said, don't the American people deserve to know your position on court packing? And he goes, no, they don't deserve. And then he cuts himself off because he realizes what he's saying. In a moment of clarity for Joe, he realized his uh, his gaffe was a real trouble source this time. But he said the American voters do not deserve to know his position on something that has real consequences on the stability of our system. Because as I said last week, what happens when they have turned the court political and then they can pass all these terrible laws like they pass in California saying that it's a model for the nation. And then they take these terrible policies and terrible laws and this terrible culture and export it to the rest of the country. That is what they want. And who's going to be able to shoot it down? Who's going to be able to pass laws that blunt the impact of all this terrible legislation and this terrible takeover of American life? Trust me, as a Californian, no one should want this. But what they are doing is removing all safeguards against their power. Something that the Constitution was literally, literally set up to preserve. The whole idea of checks and balances is that it keeps the system stable. For the long term. If you can't pass the things you want, it's because the American people don't want you to. And that's it. Get enough support for your position. And then your position can be enacted in the proper way. A way that the people actually respect, even if they can't get their way, which is actually how the culture used to be before we handed it over to a band of whining simpletons who can't think their way out of a cardboard box. But Biden will not answer. He will not answer a crucially important question. And he admitted that it's because he doesn't think that the voters deserve to know. But what's the real reason? Well, of course, the real reason is if he says yes, then the middle of the country thinks, what in the hell is this guy actually thinking? If he says no, the far left, the AOCs, the burn it all down and take it over people, then they get upset. And Biden's already done enough to upset them just by denouncing the Green New Deal, even though it's on his website, by saying that he doesn't support fracking bans, even though he and Harris had said they did prior. But now they've pulled back off that because they know it's a losing issue. And let's talk about the polls for a second, because, you know, The story is that Democrats are up by quite a bit in the polls. They're showing 12 points, 14 points, 16 points for Biden. If anyone believes that, that, I mean, it's insane. Okay. So 
there's a few legitimate reasons for this. And then we can talk about what's outside of the polls, because I don't think the polls represent very much. So there are a few problems here. One is the country's not decided on a national vote. So the truth is Biden could be up by 20 points and win the nation by 20 points based on California and New York and Massachusetts and uh, Washington and Oregon and still lose the election. Okay, and that doesn't invalidate the election at all. The Electoral College is there for a reason, and it's so that power can't be condensed in certain places. And then overwhelmed by that political culture, which is what's happening in California right now. So that's one. It's simply not the game to only win in California and New York and places like them. The game should be to serve the country, which means that you should want the votes of Kansas and South Dakota and Wyoming. Instead of focusing only on the liberal psychopaths in Los Angeles and San Francisco and New York and Chicago. So that you can run up numbers. Or harvest the ballots from people who don't know better. Which also happens. You think that doesn't happen? It doesn't put Democrats in this permanent one-party state? But so the polls are also oversampling Democrats in their sample. So, of course, things are going to skew Democratic that way. They could also be oversampling certain groups of independents and Republicans. There are lots of ways for polls to go bad. The internal polling from the Trump campaign does not show the same thing as the public polling from the media companies does. And you might say, yeah, well, they're just saying that to make themselves look good. Maybe. What do you think Biden's internal polling shows? Does the Biden campaign seem like it's acting like they believe the polls? Not at all. And the only reason they would act like that is because their polling, their internal polling, does not show what the national public polls show. And what we have is a media system and uh, the intelligentsia, the political intelligentsia, who have no connection to normal people and who do not think outside their trusted sources. They are making, as they always do, a plea to authority. And that's a logical fallacy. And it's also a safe bet that they have hedged because they can say they can give a few a few ways that the polling might be wrong. But then they'll say, oh, yeah, but it's probably only wrong by four or five points. It's not going to be wrong by 12. That's crazy. Maybe. Or maybe you're just saying the same thing that you say in every presidential election. Because all they focus on is the polling. The polling is indirect information about what people might do or say they will do. And by the way, part of the uh, 
polling problem is going to be the silent majority. You want to say it doesn't exist? Fine. Guess we'll see. But if you think Trump supporters and Trump voters are jumping at the opportunity to tell pollsters who they're voting for, you're wrong. Because Trump voters don't care about the polls. So why are they going to care about answering a pollster's phone call, much less answering it honestly? Trump has massive rallies. Not by accident, because people love him. Why do they love him? Because he's a patriot. And literally for no other reason. He is a patriot who is trying to serve this country by ridding it of decades of abuse and corruption by the same people. All those people happen to be attacking him now, as they always have, because they're scared of him. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris had their first combined event, public event. Well, I suppose the DNC wasn't a public event. So their first combined event since the DNC, and that was two months ago almost. And no one showed up. There's this amazing footage of this local reporter who was there to cover their event. And she's like, actually, it's really boring out here. There's, there's no one here. I mean, this is certainly not what you would expect at a presidential political event. Like she's saying all this on camera, which is hilarious. Um, but she said that she spoke to a local representative of the campaign and that local representative told her that they had kind of kept the details a secret from the public that they had also invited. So they invited the people. They just didn't tell them where or when it was. And if only they had, surely it would have been thousands. But there was literally not one person there. And Joe Biden's going to win Arizona? Who is voting for Joe Biden? I know that the wokes are. I know that a lot of very, very ignorant people are. I know that a lot of really absurdly privileged Hollywood and media types are. And the tech people and whoever, you know, the corporate people are who are going to have laws written that benefit them by, by President Kamala Harris. But who in normal America is voting for them? Maskies, that's it. The Maskey vote. Joe Biden is going to get 100% of the Maskey vote. And I imagine 0% of everyone else's. Like it's to the point where if you see a person like just being normal and not wearing a mask, you got to assume that person's voting for Trump, especially now, because this weekend, the World Health Organization came out with a very strong statement against lockdowns, declaring that lockdowns had not worked. And of course, they didn't work. I've been saying this for seven months, as I'm sure many people have. Many people believed that, and now they'll say, yeah, well, I knew that seven months ago, too. Did you? Because you didn't say it. 
It is okay to have confidence in your belief, even when none of the power systems support you. You do not have to be cowed by these people who just send you articles they didn't read or op-eds that link to other op-eds as proof. No one has to believe this shit. Lockdowns were never going to work. The idea was that they could potentially flatten the curve enough to preserve hospital capacity, period. There was nothing more. And immediately, the maskies and those who have no shame about lying to these people and horrifying these people and leaving them in this permanent state of cowardice and inaction. They did this. They convinced these soft-brained liberals that we could stay home indefinitely and wait for the disease to go away and that it surely would as soon as we have a vaccine. At the same time, they're saying that there's no proof of enduring immunity. Really? Then the vaccine doesn't work either. Of course, that's not the scenario. As I said back in August, the virus is essentially gone. Like, yes, people will still spread it. People will still get it. If they put those people into nursing homes again, then people might die. But Donald Trump and Chris Christie in one week both recovered just fine. How's that? Well, either the disease isn't that dangerous or the treatments really worked. And instead, it's both. These narratives are breaking down before our eyes in exactly the way I said they were going to in an episode that you can listen to from April. I think in the reasonable, I think it was the reasonable rant shit that I talked about it the first time where I said that the media would expose and break itself. And so would the Democratic Party based on the fact that the covid narrative could not continue ad as is because it was so obviously false. And so that is where we are now. The WHO said that lockdowns are wrong. How long until they say the same about masks? Because masks and lockdowns are part of the same idea. The idea that we can beat the virus by gesturing to the virus that we're preventing it somehow, as if we're going to scare the virus off. The virus is like, oh, well, these maskies are fucking smart. I guess I had better go attack some Trump supporters instead. But that didn't work because that's not how viruses work. And it turns out there was another study released this weekend showing that the vast, vast majority of people who contracted COVID were in fact maskies. And then there was a Gallup poll this weekend released showing the uh, partisan breakdowns in people's response to COVID. 
the difference between Democratic men and Republican men, Democratic women and Republican women was extraordinary. Democrats are absolutely horrified of COVID. It is pathetic. Only 5% of Democratic men and 3% of Democratic women said that they were prepared to return to life as normal. 80% of Democrats said that they were worried about contracting the coronavirus themselves. I look at that with astonishment because I think no one can be that stupid. No one can be that much of a little whiny bitch. But here we go. 80% of their party apparently is. And 95% of it would be afraid to go to a concert or sporting event or dine indoors. How? How do you get through life that way? You are scared to live. The flu existed last year with a greater likelihood of killing kids. And no one was in a mask. No one was afraid to go to a Lakers game. And let's talk about the Lakers game for a second because LeBron James, ambassador from China, won the championship last night and then declared that people don't respect him enough because, you know, he's everybody's hero for his wokeness on behalf of China. And then what happened? A huge fucking uh, crowd of idiots parading around in downtown Los Angeles. Were they worried about COVID? No. Did the mayor stop it? No. Did the mayor condemn it? No. But if you have a barbecue at your house, he's going to shut off your water and power. How can you believe that the country wants these people in power to the tune of 16% more? Can anyone actually believe that? If you can, good for you. I have more faith in American people than that. And I am someone who, by the way, never had any faith in the American people because I was confused about what reality is. Like pretty much everyone in my community and in this insane place, they actually think that schools were kept closed due to safety concerns. They really believed that. They argued for it. They condemned other people for showing them proof that schools were not a source of spread. And now they've admitted to that in LA. Do the people admit to it? Do the maskies admit that they were wrong about yet another aspect of coronavirus? And you think I'm being arrogant or a cock about this stuff, but go back and listen to revisionist history. It, I recorded it in May. It's still correct. Find stuff in there that's wrong. I'll be happy to answer for it. 
five months ago. Now this information comes out clearly from the sources that you trusted the entire time. Dr. Fauci is a mouthpiece of the WHO and has been this whole time. The crazy thing is that Dr. Fauci will probably go against the WHO advisement now. And why? Because he does not have it in his character to admit that what he has done is wrong. Dr. Fauci is going to go down with some of the worst dictators and killers of our time. Dr. Fauci is a version of Mao. He is a version of Stalin. You have to understand that what he promoted was social control under the guise of science and helping. At every single turn, he has been responding to new information by generating more fear, even when it contradicts things he himself has said in testimony. Trump used one of his statements about how he doesn't know what more anyone could do that he did say about the Trump administration. Trump used it in an ad yesterday that played during football. The media organization spazzed out and Fauci said he was taken out of context. The fact is he was not taken out of context. He was not taken out of context. There is nothing more the Trump administration could have done to handle the coronavirus, except for Donald Trump himself not making verbal gaffes and being able to communicate more clearly about the virus. Which is also in revisionist history. How will Anthony Fauci be redeemed? How will Andrew Cuomo be redeemed? How will Gavin Newsom be redeemed? How will Gretchen Whitmer be redeemed? How will Eric Garcetti be redeemed? How will Bill de Blasio be redeemed? How will Lori Lightfoot and Phil Murphy? These preposterous clowns. Jenny Durkin in Seattle. Ted Wheeler. And this little Antifa sociopath who's probably going to replace him at mayor, who literally wore a skirt with Che Guevara, Joseph Stalin, and Mao Zedong on her fucking skirt. How will these people be redeemed if Trump wins? They can't be. Neither can the media. Neither can the Democratic Party. They have done this to us. This wasn't a mistake. It wasn't a misreading of the science. It certainly wasn't a following of the science. Likewise, with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Jacob Blake. These stories that they told simply were not true. They have all fallen apart now. They did not do this by accident. It was malice. They are trying to exploit the most insidious narratives. They're trying to exploit these narratives to drive Americans apart and then convince them 
that they are the only solution. But Americans don't listen to the media anymore. Smart people don't listen to the media anymore. And so the narrative falls on its face because we can prove for ourselves to ourselves that the narrative is wrong. We can use the real world and see this is wrong. You can look at video of Joe Biden. He can't even remember Mitt Romney's name. Joe Biden ran against Mitt Romney. And he's mentioning Mitt Romney in the context of remembering that campaign. And he can't, men- he can't remember Mitt Romney's name. He literally said to the reporters outside the plane that he was on today or that he was getting on or off perhaps. He said that Mormon, the governor, what you can't remember Mitt Romney's name, Mitt Romney, the guy who ran for president against you in 2012. Mitt Romney, he can't remember Mitt Romney. And we're being told that voting for Trump is immoral and irresponsible. Utter insanity. Last thing I'm going to mention for this Monday high noon is that you all should go read this article uh, in Mother Jones about Joe Biden. It is from late last year, and it is as brilliant an understanding that you could, as you could possibly get about who Joe Biden actually is, okay? Like what his history is with the credit card industry and the banking industry, and how much Joe Biden himself is responsible for the amount of debt Regular Americans find themselves under, okay? The article is called House of Cards, all right? It's by Tim Murphy, and it was in the November-December 2019 issue of Mother Jones. You can find it at motherjones.com, blah, blah, blah. It's rare that I would advertise for Mother Jones, which is basically like about as left and socialist as you can get. Um, But it is even more relevant that it is a leftist organization using quotes from Elizabeth Warren and others about how bad Joe Biden actually is for working families. The sub headline of this article, House of Cards, is how Joe Biden helped build a financial system that's great for Delaware banks and terrible for the rest of us. That's your guy. Even worse, his brain is so withered that he can't even navigate his own incompetence and corruption anymore. Your team has betrayed you. Walk away. I will be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Listen to Hope's Fall. Goodbye. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and give it a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts so new listeners can take your word for it. You can follow the show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at I'm Your Moderator. 
If you have feedback, you can email heymoderator at imyourmoderator.com or use the hashtag heymoderator on Twitter. If you'd like to support the show, search Be Reasonable on Patreon, where I'll have additional daily-ish segments in a special podcast feed of the show, as well as my writing and audio readings of those articles. You can also go to anchor.fm slash be reasonable and become a supporter there. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Be reasonable. Acting as moderator for tonight's broadcast. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!